We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Man. Monday morning edition, Oxford Exxon podcast. We are uh, not in the same location, still waiting on our uh, our part to be fixed. But you know what? Want to talk to you guys, talk to you live, better than nothing. So let's uh, let's hang out here. As a uh, good thing going on in the uh, the sports world, not necessarily in the uh, the Ole Miss world over the weekend, as uh, the baseball season has been over for a while, and uh, portal news still coming from uh, from that standpoint. So uh, again. Good show for you, uh, hopefully, today. A show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in uh, in Oxford. You know uh, know about the lunch specials. You know about the ribs, everything here local. But they're opening a new blue sky in Brookhaven. That's going on starting today. So if you're in that area, you already know you're going to get homemade donuts. But in addition to that, they've got specials running June 12th through June 16th. Grand opening $1 day specials. Four-pack mini donuts, frozen drinks of any size, any burger, hot dog, sausage dog, any breakfast biscuit, any size coffee. They've got a 12-pack Coke products. They've got those two for $9. A lot of stuff going on, so stop it at, stop in there in uh, in Brookhaven if you're in the area as a new blue sky is opening. Again, at least Neil coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. I am Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do. And that is hop into a Clark Ford today. Uh, Corey wants to be your uh, car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. I'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Guests will join at some point this week on the uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands, you're an experienced entrepreneur looking to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help. He's a uh, longtime Rivals board member, a diehard college football fan, franchise veteran. He owns multiple franchises and businesses uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So you've got nothing to lose. Put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. MyPerfectFranchise.net, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net, or 404-973-9901. I can tell we're uh, we're getting plenty of, uh, we call it love, but 
Wes uh, Rucker mentions there in the feed is the um, – I'm, I'm really pulling for Southern Miss today. Sorry, Mark. I, I would love a Golden Eagle victory just for multiples of reasons that are somewhat anti-Tennessee baseball and definitely pro uh, Scott Berry as he's finishing out his last season there in Hattiesburg. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're down to two. Maybe, maybe we should do – I mean, we're not really well-liked by many of them anyway. We could do some media power rankings every week on what's the dumbest thing said because we did Mandel last week. We talked about that on Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day that show was. It was Thursday. Um, the two things from the weekend are – Wes with his Southern Miss press box shenanigans, when Southern Miss's press box is five times better than Tennessee's. It's not even close. It actually, Southern Miss's press box is better than Ole Miss State's press box. And then two, Kevin Skarbinski of AL.com blaming the umpires for Alabama losing the series to Wake Forest over the weekend. Whoa, those, whoa, those, whoa, those are our, our whoa, finalists whoa, whoa. as we get into uh, this Monday. Whoa, whoa. All right. All right. <laughs> Hold up. God. All right. So I expect that from one, but Skarbinski. Oh, you expect it from both. Come on. I go way back with Kevin, though. I, um, okay. I'm yours. Now, look, I didn't, I didn't watch the the series, but I saw the scores. Um, it's been my experience that when a team gets throttled twice, it it wasn't the umpires. Well, the, the close game in the first game, close game, five four final. Okay. Uh, he he picked out a check swing in the fifth inning of game one that did not go the Tigers way. And that not only changed the complexion and the score of that game, but it just killed all the momentum for the next day and led to the blowout as well. Okay. I guess the number one team in the country that won 22 to five in game two against Alabama. A team playing at home who's ranked number one, who most everyone assumes is not only getting to the College World Series, but has a legitimate shot to win it. They're the most – Wake or Florida is the most complete team, depending on how you want to phrase it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think – Yeah. I mean, Florida's really, really good. LSU on the day that Skeens pitches is the best team in the country, so it's it's how many times can he pitch. But, and the answer is probably two. But goodness gracious. Okay, I – you know, Again, I, maybe we need to like you know Gary Parish calls out AP voters during basketball season. Maybe that's the segment on Monday. Is hey, dumbest thing fanboy or national media said over the weekend. Here are the here are the the nominees. We only have an hour and a half though. I mean that's that that's not. There's, <laughs> it has to be a segment, doesn't it? Yeah, we'd have to make that a segment. I don't know. Did you read or and I I didn't I didn't read the whole thing because I don't have a membership or access or whatnot, but I read enough of Chip Towers' story about Georgia, the Georgia football team, and all of the traffic-related incidents that they have had. They did a really they did a really deep dive. It appears to be really well done, and they absolutely have a problem. I mean, people have died. Okay? Multiple. And, yeah. And the response... From the and, and look, I have to remind myself frequently. I spend less time on Twitter today than I've ever spent on Twitter in my life, and I have to remind myself that Twitter is not real life. If if Twitter were real life, there, there's just a lot there. Twitter's not real life. The response to that story from Georgia fans on Twitter is frightening. 
because it's so how dare you write about the program it's like well how can you not look at this and on one hand go hey we're, we're dominating college football and on the other hand at least this portion of it is is out of control and people have already been hurt and more people could get hurt However you want to phrase it, friendly media, propaganda, I don't know, take your pick. Um, it's already overtaken the sports world in a lot of ways. I mean, it's why I appreciate a lot of our subscribers hang in, a lot of our listeners every day as we feel, just talk about whatever we feel and tell the truth. Um, but there's become a larger situation of wanting only positives, and then that also goes into hyperdrive when a team is winning because don't you dare do anything that's going to pull us off the mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, when it's There's a certain amount no matter what and no matter what the records are, but when you get into these hyper-focused situations where the team is a lead or moving up or doing whatever, the adrenaline that comes from the fan base, the Twitter version of fan base, again, not the whole fan base. I mean, again, as you said, I need to make that very, very, very clear. Um but from the internet mob portion of the fan base, it is just, by God, sunshine and rainbows, and don't you dare do anything to pull us off our pedestal. I mean, you know, we see this even – I mean, we saw this with old Mr. and Freeze in some way. I mean, there, there's like, there's a group that changed based off whether it was 14, 15, or then 16 when everything started to slide, for sure. And now there's a lot more scar tissue there because of NCAA doing dumb shit and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But nonetheless, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't that, that that doesn't that doesn't shock me in the in the slightest. Honestly, it would surprise me if it was the other if it were the other way. Yeah, I I, I mean, no one this no one wants a, a media conversation today, so I'll, I'll, I'll cut it short. I, I, it's probably my fault. I, I just I, I was I was laughing at Skarbinski, and I hate Rucker, and that's where we got. Yeah, <laughs> I just <laughs> sorry. I don't know. I realize more and more and more. Oh, what, what, I guess I realize more and more that I'm old school, and and like so I see something like on Twitter, and I'm like, what what are, what are you doing? I mean, you're gonna tell me we'll talk about it in an hour, which is fine. But what got deleted that you responded to on Twitter yesterday? Oh God, I'm another fan, yeah, a fanboy thing okay. in in our okay. network, and it just caught me the wrong way. It was. I mean, it was something. It was baseball, but it got deleted. So obviously, there was something. Oh, I mean, he he, yeah. I mean, yeah. There was. He sent okay. me a private message, and I was like, "Well, then stop. Just stop doing it. You won't get called out on it if you'll just stop doing it." Okay. But you know that's that is a beat where maybe to survive you have to be a homer. I I don't know. I've I've now survived multiple beats not being a homer, so I I I don't I don't know that I buy that, but whatever. It's kind of ironic that A and M's thing is to wear rings, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry. Just, I don't know. Congrats to Greg Kessinger. Got his first hit over the weekend. Sure. Got it off Shane Bieber too. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a scalp, let's get a scalp. I mean, the 2020 Cy Young Award winner. He uh, he hit a little dribbler that uh, Arius at Cleveland couldn't uh, couldn't hang on to. And credit to Gray after the game, he goes, "They've always told me that it's going to even out. That sometimes the, the the light one gets through and the hard hit ball gets called. I'm not apologizing for it. Nope. Forty years from now, that was a scorching line drive into left field. <laughs> yeah, when he's talking to the grandkids, let me tell you what I did against that Cy Young winner, bud. Crushed I, it. I mean, crushed it. Yeah, hit it so hard off the wall that I had to stop it first. 
No, good for him. I, I can't even, I mean, you know, the one thing that so many of us all have in common is that we all were in our backyards or front yards or driveways or whatever and imagined getting a hit in a major league baseball game. Not everybody gets you to actually get, get, yeah, not everybody gets to actually get a hit in a major league baseball game. And he's got one. I mean, it's, I was talking to Mike about gray last week and yeah, Bieber was dealing too. He was, uh, that, that was the stat that got me the most. He threw seven innings. He allowed three hits, no runs, struck out nine, four times somebody reached and gray was two of the four. He also walked in another bat during the, uh, during the game. But I mean, Mike pointed it out. It's three generations of Kessingers that now have at least a hit in major league baseball. Um, that's, that's a very significant thing in a number of ways. Obviously Don, with uh, the six all-star games, the two gold gloves. I mean, he's a Cubs legend um, in, in, in every way, not a lot of ways, in every way. Um, but then, you know, Keith gets up, basically plays shortstop for Barry Larkin during the 93 season for 11 games um, there in Cincinnati. I, I looked it up yesterday when I was writing that little thing on Gray quickly. Keith was 7 for 27 offensively. Not the worst deal there in Major League Baseball, 7 for 27 in your cup of coffee. Um, today, that'd keep you around a little more. Oh, for sure. Um, in some way. And then, you know, Kevin, Gray's dad, I pulled it up. He's littered through Ole Miss's baseball record books for career stuff. He led the he led the SEC in triples one season. He, it, it, It's almost one of those deals where it sort of gets lost because of the rest of the family. But Kevin was a hell of a college baseball player. You don't stumble into – being all first team, all, all SEC in college baseball or in college baseball without being pretty damn good at it. So, I mean, just I will be, inter- it, it was what went through my mind yesterday as I was writing that. I'll be interested at the end of next month when Houston decides whether they're, you know, going to push or whatever. And I suspect they'll push and they make a deal. I will be curious to see whether Gray is trade bait or if they view him as a long term, you know, utility infield kind of guy because houston has one of the most talented infields in baseball yeah they're yeah. very solid and, and structured there all the way around he's a bit landlocked yeah. in terms of trying to find a in terms of you know an everyday job he, he he needs an injury to happen and i don't think anybody wants to cheer for somebody getting hurt but but he's you know he's he's uh, he's played well so that'll be that'll be interesting if you're houston you're trying to win it win it again your window is now so you you go for it. Yeah, I've wondered the whole time when they would consider trading him or if they would. I mean, I guess they like him because, I mean, otherwise you would have dealt him at some point. So, I mean, they drafted him in the second round. They've held on. It's Yeah, I was listening. He's at least up. I was watching their broadcast uh, the, the night they were in Toronto when he, he played um, his first game as a starter. And they were talking about, I guess they had talked to Dusty Baker about it. There was an interview or I can't remember exactly. I was outside and I was grilling, but it was on. And, and they were, they were talking about, he made some real adjustments to his swing uh, in the, in the off season, had some, had to fix some things and, and kind of felt like he did it. And so he was back to hitting with back to hitting with power at AAA, and they like him a lot. They're just, they're, like I said, they're kind of landlocked on the infield. So it's just a matter of, you know, would, would he be enough to get a a reliever to add to your pen to give you a little bit more depth? Is is would he be part of a package to get you a starting pitcher if you needed one? I, I don't know. We'll see. Because yeah, he can. As mentioned in the, in the thread, he's played every infield position around at the at the at, at a high professional level. I mean, he 
he he's played the most position the most games clearly at shortstop and second base. He sort of platooned with another prospect in the minor leagues at, at shortstop and second. They would alternate out. He's played third base his two games in Major League Baseball, and then uh, in Triple A they put him at first base for fifteen twenty days there before he got called up. Checking that out too, so he can play first, second, short, or third, which does. I mean, just straight from a, from a trade standpoint, that makes you pretty damn valuable um, to any major league team to be able to plug you in if there's an issue, no matter where it is, and you, in theory, give them some pop while you're doing it. Sure, absolutely. That's I just you know he's, but he's done well. I mean, he's he's certainly looked like a major leaguer. I've turned on a few of their games that when when he's been out there, and he looks the part. He's ultra talented. He is, and and you know like. Baker said, "Sometimes this stuff gets overplayed, but I'm not sure with him it's overplayed. He's he's got a pedigree to him. I mean, he's grown up around it. Probably the wow of oh my god, I'm in the major leagues. He probably handles that a little bit better than maybe your typical rookie, if you will, because grew up around it. Yeah, almost. I mean, expected is way too strong, but I know what you mean. Yeah, no, he. It's at least." You, you you can believe it more than the average person can believe it. Yeah, yeah. Because you see it. Yeah. yeah there so is it, something to it not being an – I mean, it's obviously a hell of an accomplishment beyond words, but there's not the same aura for somebody who doesn't have – no, a single soul who has ever done it. Someone mentions the Cubs. Yeah, he, he, could, he could be the Cubs' third baseman today. No doubt. I don't know whether – it's going to be a matter for him of whether he can hit with enough power – Yeah to play in an everyday lineup. But sure, I mean, the Cubs would be... I expect the Cubs to be sellers in a month and a half, and they've got pitching that they can sell, a lot of it. I don't know I don't know Houston's roster well enough to go, here's where their needs are, so I can't, I can't even possibly dive in on that. But the Cubs have some high-level pitching that would, I would think, get a pretty pretty substantial package if they decide to sell it Mm -hmm. staying in baseball for a second Andrew McCutcheon went over uh, 2,000 career hits yesterday he's the 291st person in MLB history to uh, do that only five active players were 2,000 or more I would have guessed more than that if you just if you just set the over under at five five and a half I would have said over that's Miguel Cabrera at 3110 obviously the only current player over 3,000 hits Joey Votto, 2,093. Nelson Cruz, 2,043. Elvis Andrews, 2,027. You could have given me 500 guesses. Um, and then McCutcheon now at 2,000 or 2,001. I don't know where he finished yesterday. But either way, today's game of baseball, we're definitely seeing fewer 300, 3,000 career hits, guys, right? Absolutely. There was a story in The Athletic. I put it in 10 thoughts um, yesterday, I, th- I think. Uh, it's about... Baseball strikeouts are still up, even though they're they're doing everything they can to to speed up the game, and they've done a good job of that. They're doing everything they can to put more action in the game, and they've done a good job at that. There are still the analytics, and everyone is driven by analytics. The analytics tell you that you should try to hit a home run, and and uh, so there's you still have lots of of uppercut swings, people trying to get launch angle and spin and stuff, and the pitching is ridiculous. Uh, the guys that come in 99, 100, 101 miles an hour is just remarkable. And so strikeouts are up, which means hits are down. And it's 
it's yeah it's a lot i mean you know back when i was a kid we've talked about this i mean the big red machine was full of guys that were contact hitters pete rose joe morgan uh all those guys i mean they were you know a 40 home run season was just a monster season i mean it was just almost unimaginable because you you hit for contact you took a you had a two strike swing i don't know how many of those guys now have a two strike swing Kyle Schwarber doesn't really seem to have a two strike swing, but no. he'll hit a ball 500 feet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you see guys with 210 averages and 20 home runs. I mean, they're, and they're getting paid. So that tells you that analytically the organizations are cool with that. So that's what they want. 10 years. Have we had any reversal to that, in your opinion? I don't know. These you guys think analytically, it's just going to stay there. Well, and these guys just throw so freaking hard. Yeah, you know, I mean, and the stuff that they have. Sometimes you watch, like, you know, Rob Friedman's account, Pitching Ninja, and stuff, and you just see the stuff that these guys throw. It's not hittable. I mean, we talked about Gray. Gray's one of the best college players you've ever seen come through Ole Miss, right? Sure, probably the best. Maybe the best player to ever play at Oxford High School? I mean, yeah, argument, sure. Okay. Major League Baseball player. Takes him a while to get to the bigs. He's still waiting to get an everyday job in Major League Baseball. My point is it's really, really freaking hard to get one of those jobs. And you see some of these guys that are exceptional hitters look foolish all day long against a guy like Bieber. They look like they don't know what the hell they're doing. And that's how good the pitching is. I just yeah. think the, I think the pitching's electric. You you see, you just see guys throwing, and 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 major league pitchers now, you know, a generation ago was like, hey, we need innings out of you. We need seven innings, and so they weren't just letting it all hang out. Now these guys go up there, and a lot of times it's give me five and go for it, and so then the, then it's this cavalcade of relievers, and they're all throwing a hundred miles an hour with electric sliders. It's just really hard to hit in the bigs. Uh, Ryan in the stream says, is Will Plattner Ole Miss's next catcher where they hit the portal for one? Plattner is transferring. He got the portal a couple weeks ago. I was one of the first ones after the season to do that. Uh, currently coming in, Ole Miss has the two freshmen, Campbell Smithwick here from Oxford, and then uh, Lions out of uh, Memphis, both good offensive players, good players overall. And then they picked up Eli Birch, uh, originally from Jackson, out of uh, Juco. If they can find an offensive catcher in the portal, I think they would do that. Um and then they feel really good about Smithwick. I mean, I, I, my opinion is they need another one. They need to go in the portal and get one. But I think that they're being pretty selective there, and it's got to be somebody who can provide offense as well. They're not going to go defense-minded catcher um, in the portal just to take one. So we'll it's, see where that it's still super. Up. It's still super early, and this isn't Ole Miss-specific. This is just in general. Are you surprised that the portal is moving as slowly as it is right now? Uh. Teams were still playing. You're waiting on guys to kind of make their decision. And frankly, I think some of it is waiting to see who all jumps in because baseball, unlike football, does have more salary cap. They can't just go get everybody. So you don't want to spend on this dude if this dude's coming in a week. I think they're wanting to see the whole field before you figure out where you're allocating your money. And, and then I also think that, you know, look, Ole Miss has been up there this week. The Cape is very important. I think you've got a lot of transfer portal stuff going on in the Cape. So let them play some games, get a few of that done. Start you, you get to get some eyes on guys with wooden bats in person against the league competition. You're not just 
counting on research and film and that kind. So I think between teams still playing and the cape going on, that that's what slowed it down a little bit. Because yeah, I mean we still we still got. I mean the draft starts in a month, so next two two and a half weeks, something like that, yeah. I think, is when it'll it'll really really pop. Uh, I mean you saw the kid out of Wichita, one of the best two way players in the country, get in yesterday. And that's a team who's been bad and out for weeks. Yeah, um, he's he's one of the ones that led to the comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go get him. Mean, sl- you should go. Go get him, Schloss. Really? <laughs> Come on. I mean, I thought. I thought. What would? I mean, <laughs> if I were to tweet, "Go get him, Beard." Can you imagine? You would be like, "Oh my God!" Someone, someone hijacked Neil's <laughs> computer. I should go get help. I mean, that's basically going, hey, Mike, I got his contact info if you want it. Shoot me a text. I'll, I'll hook you up. I mean, like. <laughs> Jeez. What are we doing? I mean. Uh, okay. I didn't realize that's what that was about. That's what it was about. And it wasn't. I mean, I wasn't. That slosh will make a call. I wasn't angry. I mean, I don't care. It was just, what are you doing? No, I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. But yeah, no, that's why. I mean, it's, by the way, Wichita, I don't know how they're going to have a team next year. You should go to, like, I know you don't care, but you should go to the transfer portal and look on D1 Baseball. Wichita's entire team is in the portal. It's yeah. Like 27 dudes. Yeah. It's the whole damn team. Gonna be some players. Anybody who thought the best player on the team wasn't getting in the portal when the rest of the team was in the portal? Come on. That be- cat's been tampering for a week or two and taking bids, and now he's ready to play. That's what's been going on with that cat. There will be lots of opportunity for playing time at Wichita in the spring. Oh, some some kid who might have been a little fringy. <laughs> yeah. Make a call. Make a call. That starting Make shortstop job is yours, champ. Yeah. So no, I, I expect Ole Miss right now with two pickups. I, I think they'll get at least a couple more this week. We'll see what comes out of any of the Cape conversations and uh, and go from there. But anyway. A little more college baseball after the break. First day of the spring is in full swing and summer's around the corner. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home or business. And one of the most effective ways to maintain your home is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include increased curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment, and it also saves you time and money. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for four decades. They're full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash, roof application, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact them today and enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. That's heavenlysunshine.com or call 662-342-1203 to book your free estimate. Use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Are you vacationing on Florida's Emerald Coast this summer? Whether you're staying from 30A to Pensacola Beach or anywhere in between, please check out Captain Lee Comerford with Salty Lab Charters. Licensed and insured, he offers custom excursions such as dolphin watching along uh, Destin Beaches, Crab Island sandbar experiences, and much more. He's an Ole Miss grad, an Air Force veteran, has 30 years of boating experience along Florida's Emerald Coast. All trips are private to your group, so check him out on Instagram or book today at saltylabcharters.com. Use the code REBELGROVE20 to save 20%. Uh, you can apply this code to any charter booked in 2023. And uh, as of now, this code goes through the end of June. So uh, check them out at saltylabcharters.com. Lake Hill Motors in Corinth, Mississippi. 
It's a family-owned dealership and operation for more than 60 years, a service department with more than 100 years of combined experience. If you're looking for motorcycles, four-wheelers, side-by-sides, scooters, generators, wave runners, lawnmowers, compact tractors, and more, Lake Hill has it from Honda, Yamaha, Bobcat, Hyson, KO, and other name brands. Get in touch with uh, my friend Michael McCullough in Corinth at 662-871-6918 or uh, visit him in person at 2003 Highway 72 East Annex in Corinth. Mentioned that you uh, heard about Lake Hill on the podcast. Your first oil change on your new purchase is free. Walk-On's Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, Plus fan favorites like Juicy Burgers, Fresh Salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Uh, Order online at walkons.com or on the convenient Walk-Ons app, especially if you're in Oxford or uh, the Ridgeland location. Check them out. Uh, The College Corner is your one-stop rebel shop. Two locations in the Jackson area. In Ridgeland, it's next to Fleet Feet. In Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. You can also go to collegecornerstore.com. Find them on Facebook or Instagram. Be a uh, great Father's Day idea. Father's Day coming up here really soon. Uh, Great uh, selection of gifts for the uh, dad in your life. The largest selection of rebel gear in central Mississippi. And we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, but same great people, products, and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, uh, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. I guess this is brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedScene. If your prescription is the same day each month and take care of you, they can also transfer your medications really, really easily. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. So whether that be Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs or GNM in Oxford, that's 662-236-2222. I just noticed this yesterday, yesterday as I was looking it up. I guess it's not that much of a shock because there's more parity in college baseball now. Um, But... Of the top, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen college baseball coaches. As far as wins in the College World Series, the number of wins for coaches, only one of the top thirteen is active. Oh, so and and that and that person's in thirteenth. That's Tim Corbin. Yeah, nobody else active. Huh? But now you've got dumb numbers like Rod at Southern California, he won 60 games in the College World Series. That's 16 more than Cliff Gustafson, who's second. How many did Bertman win? 29. He was just very efficient. I'd say. Five College World Series and five College World Series titles and 29 total wins. They never lost a final. Also, you got to realize back then it was all one game finals. Yeah other than maybe his last one. So that took, you know, five wins away, I guess, at, at minimum or whatever the number is. So how many wins yeah. does Corbin have in Omaha? Uh, 20. 20 wins. It's impressive. Yeah. Two titles and a runner-up. I didn't watch a ton of it this weekend. I watched some. Anything shock you or was it about like, like you expected? Uh, I felt 
I mean, I, I know I keep piling on. I felt bad for Southern Miss yesterday. They get the first one. You get Tanner Hall on the mound. You don't pull it off, and that felt like a bit of a death sentence. We'll see what kind of adversity they can overcome today. But if I'm, if I'm setting a line in Vegas, I give Tennessee the upper hand here. Um, because not only has Southern Miss gotten through the Tanner Hall game without winning it, but they also haven't made Tennessee use pitchers at all. Um, Tennessee's only had to use like three or four pitchers in the two games. So they've got a more talented, deeper staff and a, a staff that's very well rested here. So Southern better hit today. We'll see. I mean, I'm pulling for the Eagles, but we'll see where that goes on. No, I mean, look, he, here's what's interesting is you and I were talking about who's going to travel and what's Omaha thinking from an economic standpoint. And there's not much there. Um, there's LSU. TCU does a decent job there. That That's not the worst thing in the world for them, but not great. Um Florida's not going to travel. Virginia doesn't travel like crazy there. Tennessee would travel. We probably need them to win, although Southern will too, either way. Um, probably very similar. And then you get Texas, but it's kind of played out if they beat Stanford tonight. They're there so much. It might take you being in the you might take you being in the final four for the Longhorns to really show up and then wait on a national title. Mark pointing out that Tennessee's a two to one favorite in Vegas today, opening at minus two hundred. That sounds about right. Um but take that out. I tell you what I like. I'm looking at this bracket now, and whether ten- Texas or Stanford wins, got a lot of good baseball teams. Like when I'm looking at this bracket, and even how it's split up between sides, because for anybody that's unaware, you play, you have two four-team brackets. You come out of your four-team bracket, you play a two out of three thing for the national title. Clearly, Ole Miss fans are pretty well versed in that from last year. But just heads up on that if you didn't know. Um, damn good baseball teams. I mean, I'm looking at this, and one side of the bracket is Wake against either Texas or Stanford, whichever one wins tonight. You've got Texas, clearly a national brand, a team that was in the host conversation for a lot of the year before struggling there late. Went 0-2 in the Big 12 tournament, I think, which is what knocked them out of that. Um, Stanford won the pack by five games. Now, the pack wasn't very good, but still, that's a team that's there all the time. They were in Omaha last year. It's going to give a West Coast feel to it, which is fine. I don't mind that. And then LSU plays Southern Miss or Tennessee in the first round. So good luck, Southern Miss or Tennessee in the first game against LSU um, there. So you're four on that side, Wake, Texas, or Stanford, LSU versus Southern or Tennessee. Those are those are one side of the bracket. One of those teams will play for a national title. And then on the other side, it is completely set. It is TCU against Oral Roberts, and it is Florida against Virginia. Really good first game there with the Cavaliers and the Gators. Um, there's balance on that. I, I don't. Both sides have some really intriguing teams. I don't love that Florida plays Virginia in the first game because those are definitely the two best teams on that side. Um, TCU can I really like that Florida hit. And LSU are on separate sides. I like that Wake and Florida are on different sides. I, I like that bracket, and I don't mind Oral Roberts kind of being the, the the Cinderella of the ball in this thing with seven really named programs, whoever they end up being. So TCU can really hit it. Florida's yep. Florida's a, just a very complete team, and they're pitching really well right now. Um, I haven't seen Virginia enough to have any thoughts, really. Um, on the other side, you just have to assume right now the way that he's pitching. I mean, I say that. He got hit around in the SEC tournament, but I'm not sure he was as dialed in as he was the other night. Um, man, when Skeens goes... It's just hard to it's hard to put anything together against him. So they've got a real shot to get into the winner's bracket part of it. 
I would love a Wake LSU winners bracket game. Be interesting. I Wake won't, has the better number two starter. It's not close. Yeah, I won't be surprised if we have an LSU Florida final. Oh, yeah. LSU starting to play with that swag a little bit, and my God, when that guy's on the mound, his performance against Kentucky the other night. I mean, if I'm the Pittsburgh Pirates for the very first time, somewhere in that room, you I'm like, you can't, you can't, you can't. But somewhere in that room, you're like, I know we can't, but can we just talk about it for a minute? He was electric. And he's got stamina. Seventh, eighth inning, he's throwing 98, 99, and he's painting it. I mean, someone someone said you are you often wonder what would it look like for a major league pitcher to face a college lineup. Well, you saw it. We're seeing it. You saw it. That's what it, that's what it would look like. I mean, he's. I'm not. Who has the third pick? Is going to get schemes. It's uh, the Nationals are second. Who is third? I don't. I don't, even, know. I don't know. But boy, um, he was he was just dominant, and and they play with such confidence when he's on the mound. But the key for them, and we always talk about this, you always have to overcome. Uh, you have to overcome your your Achilles heel, and the the key for them is going to be depth of pitching. They they they've developed some here late. They're pitching better. LSU is Detroit, the Tigers. Whew. Well, if you're Detroit, you don't mind where you're sitting right now because you don't get questioned. And there's three legitimate studs at the top of the draft. In a different year, any of those three could go number one overall. Would go number one overall. Yeah, yeah. Cruz, Langford, and schemes Cruz's game just has no flaws in it and and you don't have to worry about the elbow stuff right you don't have to sweat that and so I think I think he's the first pick and then I think if I'm I take him yes for sure I do too I just do it here's the card now let's you know cross our fingers and hope if you're Pittsburgh but that second spot like Langford versus Skeens mm-hmm there's a lot of debating Langford, to do. Crazy power, all around great player, has a lot of swing and miss. He's going to have a lot of swing and miss at the pro level. Yeah, he is a but lot. Man, he can hit. But he can crush it. But God, That's a good man. point. Detroit took Jackson Job last year. You picked up Job and Skeens, two back to back first rounds. You feel pretty good about it. You have to feel pretty good about it. By the way, that kid that uh, Ole Miss faced in the College World Series from Oklahoma, I can't think of his name mm-hmm. right. He's Kate Horton. Kate Horton. He's lighting it up in the minor leagues right now. I'm shocked by that, really. Blown away. I mean, just putting up uh, video game numbers. There's a game three in that series if TJ McCants doesn't hit one back at him. You think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right, because he went out in the eighth, nobody on. He hit him with the ball, right? We hit him, but he hit it back at him, and they went and pulled him immediately. You knew his pitch count was up. Yeah. And they had an All-American closer. They knew that as soon as anybody reached, they were going to go get him, but you had to reach. I mean, nobody had reached since Gonzalez's home run in the sixth. And then there you go. Yeah, Horton's. Uh, spin rates and stuff are off the charts. Uh, Omaha does a really good job with showing you real-time spin rates. 
during the thing. And I mean, he was, he was throwing some sliders in there that you went, Oh my God, like this is, this is major league stuff. And I would take a bunch of them and screenshot them and put them in the thread. Cause you know, I mean, I get it. You're playing for a national title. Your fans are all emotional. Going, why can't you hit him? And it's like, this is why you can't hit him. This is, this is, well, it's to the point this about, is elite level stuff right here. Yeah. It's to the point earlier about why there aren't more 3000 hit guys, because it's, it's just hard to put the bat on the ball. And you can't sit there and go, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, spit on the slider every time he throws it," because they now have it, the the tunneling thing where the damn ball looks the exact same coming out, and then one goes in and one goes out. You don't have four seconds to figure it out either. You know, you've got kind of a, you got to make a pretty quick decision. It's just some of the stuff they throw is filthy, and you're starting to see it at the college level now, which is. That's the good news for the college game is that more and more guys are going to college and improving and learning how to do those things, and they're they're more like I don't know how much seasoning Paul Skeens really needs. I mean, what, what are we what are we doing? We're gonna send him to low A for a, a year? I mean, come on! I mean, you know, you, I start him in double A and then get him up. Yeah, I mean, I I draft him, I give him his money. I, I see where he is. I might give him the rest of this summer off or just do some, maybe let him just have a start here and a start there and shut him down. But yeah, next year he's, he's opening the season in double a. And as soon as he's ready, mm-hmm. he got so many bullets. I want him. I want to shoot him in the bigs. The thing, real, real quick, closing that subject, the, the, the closer to Oklahoma was good, but he had r- ridiculously predictable tendencies. He was overwhelming with the same pitch to a right-hander and then with a left-hander with a different pitch, and Ole Miss had his scouting report down pat. They they essentially sat on whatever pitch that was, depending on the, the batter up, and Oklahoma had no way to deviate from that, and that's what blew the inning up. It's, it's frankly a wonder that he made it through the season as successful as he was tipping what he was going to throw to that degree. I don't, I don't know how that happened, but nonetheless, that's what happened. So anyway, uh, Gonzalez still predicted top 15 picks ish pretty much from everywhere I've seen. So we'll see with that again, July 11th, we got a minute, but that's where that's, uh, that's sitting right, uh, right now. Um, Oral Roberts was down to its last couple outs in game two. Oregon had won game one after coming back from an eight Oh deficit. Teams that were down by at least eight runs in uh, Super Regionals were 0-96 prior to Friday when uh, Oregon came back. And then or, uh, or Roberts had the night, then he come back uh, two days ago. And then on Sunday, kind of routed them as the Ducks ran smooth out of pitching, which it's an interesting sign when the uh, the, the four-seed mid-major has enough pitching and you as the Pac-12 team doesn't at all. Um, or Roberts is good. They're fine. Um, they're kind of fun. I, I don't mind it. Uh you don't get to Omaha but, without being good. That's just the bottom line. You just, yeah, even even when you, I mean, look, they went through Vanderbilt. I mean, it's not like yeah, you just you don't you don't get there without being good. It's not possible. It's too difficult. Um, too Jackson difficult. Asking better pitcher Dolander or uh, Wake dude. I mean, prospect. I give Tennessee the credit, but I mean, Rhett Louder has been phenomenal. Um, Tennessee, I mean, Wake Forest has three starters all with over 100 strikeouts this season. I mean, their pitching staff has been awesome. Uh, some homegrown stuff, some transfer stuff. They're they're really really damn good. There's there's no doubt about that. They're they're really good. Um, 
I, I don't hate that. I don't hate an LSU Florida final, but I don't know. I mean, I want to see how Wake plays outside their ballpark. They're so good in that park. It's an interesting park, kind of small. I want to see how the offense translates getting out of Winston-Salem. I think the pitching is going to play even better, frankly, than it does at home for Wake. It's just it's hard to see Southern Tennessee, Texas, or Stanford coming out of that side. It it feels pretty preordained that it's all, that it's LSU or Wake, yeah. much like it did for Ole Miss or Arkansas last year. Yeah, for sure. Or y'all just go ahead and play each other and tell me what happens. That's that, that, that's where that sits. And frankly, whoever wins that game, whoever wins that side, that's who I'll pick. And then TCU, Florida, or Virginia, you can make a compelling argument for any of them, but I give Virginia and Florida. The winner, that feels a little like 14 Ole Miss, Virginia, where if you win the first game, you're winning the region. Yeah. I'll just give it to whichever one of those guys, whichever one of those teams wins that game. Florida has a big advantage with Sprout versus Virginia as number one. Um, So I, I would lean toward the Gators. I'd put a fairly decent money line, one sixty, one eighty, probably on Florida for that uh that opening game, something uh something like that. Yeah, good good point there. Kind of close the segment. I mean, Hurston Waldrop pitching for Florida, he's their number two guy. He was great over the weekend. Had he stayed with Southern Miss, I mean, they would be a legitimate title threat with Hall and Waldrop back to back. Um, that that removed their ability. They still get there, obviously, but it's just hard to see them making a lot of noise long enough without a number two starter. But I mean. Ole Miss beat him last year, but Waldrop's damn good. That would have given them a real a real shot had he uh, – he made the best move for him. He got a lot of money, and he's playing on a damn good baseball team. So, Yeah, really good. And Tanner Hall was the face of that program, is the face of that program. Yeah. And look, even yeah. if, if Southern Miss doesn't win today, obviously if they do, it's, it's a crowning achievement for, for Scott Berry. If they don't, it doesn't cheapen at all the job that he's done – there over a long period of time. I'm sure it will be very disappointing for them if they lose today. But they he's he took that program, elevated it big time, made it very consistent, and leaves it in an incredible spot for his successor. Southern Miss baseball has done a phenomenal job, first with Corky Palmer and now Scott Berry and just what they've been able to do, they they benefit a little bit from Ole Miss and State recruiting nationally to the level they do, but their ability to identify and then develop homegrown talent is one of the best jobs in the country. I mean, they're they're phenomenal at it. Um, they are they are great at taking guys, taking gambles, taking chances, knowing when to really pluck one with a lot of scholarship, do a lot of stuff there. I, I hope that the NIL era is not going to crater them anymore. I, I I enjoy Southern Miss being good at baseball. Here's the, what's going to be interesting to me with Southern Miss. I think they, and you would know this better than me, so feel free to tell me that I'm, I'm way yeah. off, but I kind of wonder if they've also benefited from here in the last few years, programs like Ole Miss and Mississippi State have to identify and take kids as like 8th and ninth graders. Oh, that's true. And yeah. so, Southern Miss didn't have that pressure. You didn't have to, hey, he's 13, I got him. Uh, they could wait a, a minute, and so they some of the 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 kids who maybe developed as sophomores, juniors, they were able to get those guys because Ole Miss and State didn't have room really. They got those guys; those guys came to Southern Miss, and then you get all the other intangibles from having homegrown guys, right? I mean, they're in the program. That's the program that gave them a chance. They play with the chip. 
an edge on their, you know, all that stuff. I wonder if in this new era that doesn't get minimized a little bit. We'll see. It it makes you wonder, though, how much of that changes also with the inability to contact guys young anymore. You can't even recruit them until they're whatever their junior year now or whatever it is. You only get you don't even really get a summer contacting them anymore. I wonder if that's a negative for Southern because everybody gets more constricted into the same pot of when you're grabbing guys and there's not what you're talking about. Because yeah, I think it has helped them for for dang sure. Um, especially again with that that guy where you go, yeah, you know, it's pretty good, but I'd like to see this or like to see that or I want to see how he matures and you jump on it where Ole Miss or State doesn't have scholarship money to match him in that. But I just we, we don't know yet what that will look like as uh as that thing moves uh moves forward. Anyway. Podcast brought to you in part by Prime Shrimp, PrimeShrimp.com. So they have seven different flavors available for you. Everything from the signature and the New Orleans style barbecue, a couple of my favorites, to the full meals in a bag. They've got the French Quarter Alfredo. They've got the um, garlic herb butter, and they're available at Rouse's too. If you've got a Rouse's near you, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, you can pick up some Prime Shrimp. But if you need it delivered right there to your door, it is uh, delivered frozen. Pop it in the freezer. Like fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate. Great shrimp for salads, salads, lunch, meals, whatever you need here as the summer days are busy. So use code RG, use code RG, five pouches or more, 25% off there with PrimeShrimp.com. A-Stock is a Nashville-based online retail company with the mission to provide their customers the power to name their price. All items start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1, no matter what the retail value may be. Shop now at astock.bid. That's A-S-T-O-C-K dot B-I-D. Or download their app, name your price on thousands of items from big name retailers. A-Stock has multiple locations around Nashville as well as Memphis, uh, some in Indiana, and more coming soon that offer local pickups. So don't miss out. Game Changer patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. The warm-up patch used before or while you drink. The overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for your next play. Go to GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Uh, Father's Day is almost here. Dead Soxy has the perfect gift for any budget. Whether as a gift or buying for yourself, Dead Soxy is excited to help you celebrate with style. Sign up for a Dead Soxy NIL membership. Receive new styles every month, two months, three months, or even every six months. These socks not only comfort your feet, but they give back. Over 50% of the proceeds are pumped back into Ole Miss Athletics. If a sockscription isn't your speed, ask for a Saturday 7-pack. Get seven unique designs to coordinate each of this season's seven home football games. Again, these packs give back to Ole Miss Athletics as well. So lastly, enjoy 25% off all non-licensed products with promo code REBELGROVE. Uh, visiting deadsoxy.com and stock stocking up on your favorite socks while supporting your uh, rebels is a double win. So happy father's day from dead Soxy. And we're brought to you by pinnacle pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 States advisors in multiple States. They provide detailed specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much, much more at pinnacle investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. And we're brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Uh, John has been 
traveling the globe for 37 years before he even got into the travel business. He knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip, one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Just get in touch with him. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget that's really important, and he'll give you options that you're not going to find on your own. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Will LSU break the Jello shot record in Omaha this week, this month? Man, Ole Miss set that thing pretty high last year. Um, can you can you can you try to break a record without the other without direct competition, or do you need the perfect storm of the rival in town trying to do it too? Does it would it would it take it for LSU to get there? Can they do it just off? This is the number we have to beat. Yeah. Or the, do they need Ole Miss or Tennessee or State or or somebody there to challenge them in the process? Where you get the adrenaline? You te- get no adrenaline off chasing a number on a board. Oh, I don't know. I think you get some adrenaline on if, if you're if, <laughs> as, as a Louisiana native. Um. Yeah, if they're look, if they're there till the very end, that's the catch. You've got to win. You can't well, go sure. in two because you're not there long enough. If they're there till the very end, they'll start chasing that number with gusto. And and yeah, listen, they can drink. Yeah, they're yeah. They're, they're pretty talented at drinking. And and um, yeah, that that number that number is in danger if LSU's in the final four. If I think they got to get to the final two. If okay. they if they get to the final two, that number's in jeopardy. But well, yeah, I mean, probably done if they win it because the night night we'll put thousands of dollars on shots or whatever is necessary at that point. Yeah, for the for the. But that the, the, the that sto- that place got the perfect storm last year with both Ole Miss and Arkansas there for as long as they were. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm just curious. Uh, the games today: uh, Southern Miss, Tennessee's at five o'clock. Uh, and then uh, tennis, Texas and Stanford is at 7 o'clock. So those are your two start times tonight. Those will uh, overlap. It, ESPN was kind of pissing me off last night, and I know what they were doing, but they didn't give a start time until late last night for Southern and Tennessee today. Southern and Tennessee weren't sure if they're going to play at 11 a.m. until 
like eight thirty, nine o'clock last night. Yeah, that's bogus. Because if there were only one game, had Texas won, they were going to put it at seven tonight. So they were making sure a game was at seven and then moving it back for the the other one. But whatever. Anyway, pays the bills. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not emotionally invested in the start time of Southern Miss and Tennessee, but I'm interested. Yeah, the whole. Uh, <sighs> do well, there's the conversation on the thing about a night game in Death Valley and how drunk it is, and it, it's really drunk. I don't know. I won't hot take this because I, I I need to think a little bit more about it. But there are a couple of venues that at night feel even drunker than LSU. Really? Like South Carolina feels pretty drunk. No shit. Yeah. Sorry, apologies to kids. Pretty, pretty drunk at night. Huh. I wouldn't have guessed you were going there. Gainesville can be pretty drunk at night on a night game. Get a little, get a little weird. I've seen Ole Miss. I've, I've seen Ole Miss pretty drunk. I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen I've seen Vault Hemingway where it felt pretty drunk and it was like crazy. It just has twenty five thousand fewer people. Right, right, right. That's the the deal there. What LSU does is, I I, I think and it's built into the environment. Yeah, and they just sort of embrace it. Right. They almost you know steer into it. Oh, Tennessee. Yeah, pound for pound, Tennessee, Ole Miss yeah. is there. That's not the problem. Yeah, Tennessee's the other one I was kind of thinking of. That's, that's yeah. Get a little rowdy. Had they won that game against Lane that night? <sighs> Man. I mean, it was pretty crazy when they lost it. But, yeah, had they won it, that place was lookout. 7.30 start time tonight for uh, Game 5 of the NBA Finals when we're doing some TV viewing. The uh, Miami Heat in Denver down 3-1. Does it end tonight? Yeah, it's over. Okay. I mean. Coronation I, tonight in Denver? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If the Heat win tonight, tip all your hats because there's just everything going against them. Number one, they're, they're the inferior team. Uh, which is a problem. Which is a problem number one. I mean, Duncan Robinson had a great quote about Murray and 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 Jokic. It's not like they're not trying to stop them. It's not like Eric Spolstra. This is the first series where he went. You know what? We're not going to prepare. We're not going to have a plan. Just see what happens. No, they they're trying, but their two man game is so good. And then the all the other pieces for them are playing well. And they had a stretch in game four. Jokic got in foul trouble, and he had to sit. And they played key minutes, third quarter, fourth quarter, without Jokic on the floor. And the Heat were able to trim one point off the lead. And Jokic came back in, and that was that. And that kind of felt to me like that was the moment. That was, here's your chance. And when you couldn't do it, it was kind of like, nope. We've grown up as a team. Obviously, we're better when he's the best when he's on the floor. But we've now grown as a team. We being Denver has grown as a team to a place where we can absorb that. And they're just really, really good. 
they're getting contributions from everyone. Their starting lineup is really strong, and then they're getting some guys off the bench. But, I mean, everyone's going to talk about Jokic tonight and Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray's been awesome in this series. Aaron Gordon's been terrific. Contavious Caldwell-Pope's been really good. I mean, they're just they're, they're playing at a super high level. They got big minutes from the rookie uh, Brown off the bench the other night, and I think it was game three where he kind of went off. That's what championship teams do, and they're they're doing they're doing that right now. They just and they're winning. I have no real reason other than we talked about him a lot when he was trying to get eligible. I like Michael Porter Jr. too. Yeah, no, he's he's been really good. I mean, you know, he yeah. he takes some ill advised shots here and there, but he also makes some of those shots. And you know, I thought they would hunt him defensively a little bit, Miami, and they really haven't been able to. I mean, Butler's had a good series. Uh, Bam Adeboyo's had a good series. They just don't have enough. And and this is uh, this is a a uh, Nuggets team that we talked about it last week. Some it will be interesting to see if you're a Grizzlies fan, if you're a Thunder fan, if if you are a team, a fan of a of a of a small a Milwaukee Bucks fan, if you're a fan of one of those kinds of teams, this is this is an encouraging night tonight, probably, because it shows you that you can do it without doing the big splashy free agency thing. You can you can build from within. You can let guys grow up together, and if you evaluate correctly and you have some luck on your side, and this is the first year that everybody's been healthy, you can do it, and they've done it. And they're they're went away, and Denver will be nutty tonight, and their fans deserve it. They have a really loyal fan base, and um, this team hasn't won before, and they'll be they'll be itching to take the top off that building tonight. I mean, it, it, if you're Miami, it's this is going to be difficult. I noticed this, and I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming this has to be somewhat un- uncommon, or it wouldn't have been tweeted this way. But did you see this Bill Simmons, the Bill Simmons tweet from yesterday? No. That 2023 NBA playoffs summary. So just during the playoffs, um, and clearly you have to be winning and probably be in the finals to have this. So it's a little bit of a geared stat. But during the 2023 playoffs, total points, Jokic. Total rebounds, Jokic. Total assists, Jokic. Total win share, Jokic. That can't be that common. No. That no one else on two teams or somebody went crazy and got beat in the semifinals because the finals isn't over yet. Does not lead some category. In NBA playoffs for this year, Jokic leads, leads every category. He's a seven-footer made of, like, Play-Doh. He just kind of does everything. And he processes the game at such an incredibly high level. It's the it's the one thing that the greats don't get credit enough for. Like LeBron doesn't get enough credit for this. Kobe didn't get enough credit for this. It's not just physical skill. In a league full of freaks, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean athletically freaks. I mean six foot nine. 235 pound guys that can jump out of gyms that's you're pretty freakish athletically he sees the game two plays ahead it's been one of the reasons that miami 
who's a brilliant team, has thrown stuff at them, as has been noted in the thread, and it just doesn't work. They swept the Lakers. They they they're just really he's he's an amazing player. And the the, the two way game with he and Murray is really pretty if you watch a lot of NBA. It's what a lot of teams try to do with two two man games. And the Nuggets just do it at this incredibly high level because of Jokic. He's he's right now. I know he didn't win the MVP, but he's won two of the last three, finished second this year to Joel Embiid. But right now today, he's the best player in the league. And so as someone pointed in the thread, they just made a deal with Oklahoma City last week. They know their 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 window is wide open. They're, this is the beginning of a three, four, five-year period for them where they're probably the favorite in the West. I mean, if you look at the West next season, odds are the Lakers aren't going to be there. The Clippers just it doesn't appear to be in the cards. They can't get healthy with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they've built their whole team around that, and they've already sold their future. Phoenix just waved Chris Paul, and they don't have any stuff to build with. Portland doesn't have enough. Uh, Sacramento, maybe. Memphis has this Ja Morant deal that they've got to get through before they can recover and go, okay, we're ready to contend. And maybe they are, but they've got to get past the Morant thing first. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Minnesota doesn't seem like that team. Oklahoma City still has a, a, a mm. long way to go. Houston looks complete. Dallas is nowhere close. Dallas isn't yeah. close. Houston's lost as a franchise. They're, they're they're just idiots. What they're about to do. I mean, I'm glad because I hate them. But but yeah, it's it, it's it's Denver's for the next two or three years, and they just traded a 29 first round pick for some assets in the next in this draft and in the next draft, and they're clearly going to try to keep this core together put some young, inexpensive pieces around them and, and go for it. And there's no reason to think that they can't win it. I mean, they've got guys, the guys they're building around are like 28, 27 years old. This this is their prime. What does Miami do in the offseason? What is their situation? Well, their problem is... And they go get a piece? Probably. Nah, probably not because they've got, they've got to deal with some of their... They've done a great job of developing guys, but now, like... If they want to keep Max Struess, and they probably do, they've got to pay him, which means they probably have to find someone to take Duncan Robinson's contract off, off of their hands. Their problem is that they've got to pare some money off the, the books. See Stephen Wells saying the rumor, uh, and then Bill Simmons and the ringer saying they're hearing it too. Morant will be out at least 40 games. Next season. Yeah, I mean, the number I heard was 41 games, half of a season. I mean, it just stands to reason, whether you think this is a legitimate suspension or not, John Morant had that thing happen in, in Denver. It was got all over, the, all over social media. He goes to New York. He meets with Adam Silver. Adam Silver says, hey, I expressed the gravity of the situation to him. And I'm sure based on just human nature that John Morant said it won't happen again. I get it. It won't happen again. He gives him an eight-game suspension, tells him, hey, get your stuff straight. Stop. This can't happen. The league is in too good of a place, too many good young players. You're one of them. Everything's going good. I can't have you accidentally have a firearm go off. And you're running with this group, and there's stuff that we hear, and it's got to stop. 
and like a month and a half later, it happens again? And everybody goes, well, he didn't break a law. No, he didn't break a law. But if, if you're the NBA and you're Adam Silver, you have to send a message now. You, you have no choice. Whether you even want to or not, you have to say, okay, I'm, I'm about to hammer you. Because mm -hmm. the, it can't be, hey, I'm a paper tiger up here. In this league full of young guys that are going to make incredible amounts of money, I, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't tell you this can't happen again. And then it happens again, and I just hit you with ten games. Honestly, yeah. Chase, he's lucky that he's not getting hit with a full year if he gets hit with a half half year. Yeah. But it's got to if if you're if and if you're silver, you have to look at John Morant and go, and you do know, man, the third strike is you're out. Yeah, sure. It you're out. You're, 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 there is not another chance. This is strike two, bud. And, and, and yeah. you need to understand the gravity of it. And if I'm the Grizzlies, frankly, as much as I have invested in John Morant and as much as I want him to play a whole season, I need somebody to send a message to him. Podcast brought to you in part by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159, phone service, parental controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender, and much more. So to get the best internet in Lafayette County, as well as parts of Union and Pontotoc counties for those who previously did not have internet, again, that's 662-238-3159. Opa is Oxford's newest Greek restaurant on the square. It's a uh, perfect place for a uh, party, a festive uh, company dinner, a festive party event. So get in touch with uh, Jeannie there at, um, at Opa. They can accommodate up to 200 guests. It's 601-421-7147. We're brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency, connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board in engineering, dentistry, accounting, law, manufacturing, human resources, and much, much more. Uh, it's always free for the candidate. If your company is looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent, they can uh, help you as well. Payment is uh, solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. You've got nothing to lose, so give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved site, servicespecialistltd.com. Get the beautiful and healthy smile you deserve at Corinth Dental. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures that will result in a beautiful, long-lasting smile. From routine checkups to advanced treatment, including implants and Invisalign, Corinth Dental is here to help you achieve your smile goals. Schedule your appointment today. Take the first step towards a better version of yourself. It's CorinthDental.com. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails. So much offered at Southern Traditions. Horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons to advanced lessons that allow you to compete in a nationally recognized competitions. It's also a great venue for events and get-togethers. So check it all out on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. I don't remember if we mentioned it in the opening or not uh, yesterday, but uh, Novak Djokovic wins the French Open. He uh, setting some records in the process. 
He has now won his 23rd Grand Slam title. That uh, sets the uh, the record from a men's and women's standpoint. Ties uh, Serena Williams at 23, one behind Margaret Court, who has the uh, the all-time record for men's or women's. But uh, Djokovic probably would have two more um, had the uh, the COVID vaccination thing not happened that cost him two, two Grand Slams. He's nowhere near out of his prime. I mean, he is still, or maybe not his prime, but he still has at least two years, I would think, of competitive tennis at this point, barring injury. I mean, he's got a chance to put a number up that is fairly shocking. And, you know, I don't, I don't follow tennis like I used to. I mean, I had a number of years there where I was pretty tennis obsessed, basically, before I got into golf. And, I mean, I remember we're not two decades out from Sampras at 14 Grand Slams being this number that seemed crazy and that being the record. Now, Federer at 20, Nadal at 22, and Djokovic at 23. Those three guys dominating a sport, and then Djokovic kind of outlasting them, being a guy we've talked about a lot over the years as someone who improved his fitness. He had cramps and things early in his career and kind of had a hard time with standing. And now he's the most resilient. He has the most stamina. I mean, he is in every way just the best tennis player on the planet. It's not close. No, really it's, phenomenal. His his all court game has come so far that it's 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 tremendous to watch just from a greatness standpoint. And not to get political, but he'd have more. He would have won those yeah, events. Twenty five or 26, 20, 24 or twenty five for sure. Yeah, um, he's amazing. His fitness is incredible. It's incredible. That's that's to me so much of his story is just he's a beast. He's in his mid-30s, and he's going against guys 10 years younger than him who are also in the absolute prime of their careers physically, and they can't stay with him. He, and he's, he, played, he played rude in the Grand Slam in the French Open final yesterday. And good player. has is kind of a clay court specialist. I think he has 10 titles. Nine of them are on clay. Um, has finished second at the French before and the U.S. Open. Did that last year. And... The entire time you're watching it, you knew that it was just going to take one crack. You're just waiting on the one little thing to happen and something to kind of get sideways. And Rude got kind of frustrated a couple times. He let some environment stuff get to him. He let Djokovic probably getting close to deserving a penalty on a couple delays that didn't happen. And if you just take that one little second and that one little crack, that's it. You're done. And Djokovic gets the momentum and it's over at that point. And that's that, you know, I, I thought. I just sort of thought that was sort of a microcosm of what's happened for Djokovic in these past years is just his ability to outlast and wait and just keep showing up and keep showing up. And he's he's dominant with his, with his forehand. I mean, he can obviously go on offense, but he is so resilient and consistent that he's just simply waiting on you to screw it up half the time. Playing against him is like pitching where from the first inning on, you, you know that you – probably can't give up more than one run and win. And so every pitch is just so tight. It's the equivalent of going, hey, we can win this basketball game today, but we've got to shoot 75% as a team. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. You know, you don't get yeah. to just you don't get to just kind of let it all hang out against Djokovic because he's too good. And he's so disciplined and then, you know, next thing you know, he's on a roll and once he gets on a roll, as you said, it's over, and you can almost sense it. And again, this is against the greats that he does this. And it's a it, it's a really good comparison because it's what happened yesterday. Is that he's in in that first set, Rude was up a break, 
And then he had a couple more chances to put it away. And he just gave a couple games to Djokovic. And you could almost tell it in his mannerisms in his head that he was already thinking, that was the chance and I screwed it up. And he couldn't let it go. It was the the game in baseball you're talking about, except you had runners on second and third and you went strikeout, strikeout, and you didn't score. And you get back out in the field and you go, God dang it. Sure. And you just can't seem to move on. And then that was it. That little crack and you never were in it again and it was over and you lose the tie break 7-6 and then – you end up losing in three straight sets, and Djokovic is the champion. Well, but how many times, like you know, against a like in his prime, Greg Maddox first inning might be a little not super sharp, a little shaky. You know, bases loaded, one out, and he gets the double play ground ball, and you just know, okay, that was it. And sure enough, he comes back out, and all of a sudden, it's just mowing you down, and you start thinking, man, we had this opportunity. It just it's pressure playing him, and he's he's so mentally tough. I mean, you know, to go through what he did, and again, I'm not getting into the whole vaccine thing, but to stick to your principles and not go play and to take the criticism and all the stuff that he got required a level of mental toughness that a lot of people don't have. And he carries that into the court as well. I mean, and the way that that guy's built, he might have four more years like this. Considering how he played every point or plays every point as hard as he does, Nadal being at 22 is a fascinating stat. Because he just beats his body all to hell. Everything is played as hard as possible. Think think about what his numbers would be if he were in an era without Djokovic. Mm-hmm. Hell, he might have 30. I mean, Federer, too, who was the best player of all time before we told said Djokovic was the best player of all time. What else is interesting to me is that they're just, there's so many great young players, but they just can't get to that. They can't get over the hump at all. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're good. I mean, I watched that show on, on Netflix, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but introduces you to a lot of those guys. And I, I just, I don't know. Speaks volumes to his greatness. It's, but that's what you're watching when you watch him play. You are watching. You are watching greatness at, at his sport. I, I, I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of fascinating because you know for a long time the women sort of had the names that we knew a little bit more and some of those kind of things. And again, I, I haven't followed it like I used to, so I'm not going to sit here and act like whatever. I'm, I, I'm not doing that, but. The number one seed when won the women's French Open yesterday, and I could not have picked or two days ago, and I could not have picked that person out of any lineup whatsoever, and did not know their name. Nothing. Nothing. And I could have named forty tennis players on the women's side ten years ago. Oh yeah, well I mean I grew up when it was Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova and was it Tracy Austin and um, mm-hmm. Gabriella Sabatini and all of them. Yeah, and that Ma- went into Monica Sellis, Capriati, and yeah, Sellis and all yeah, the deal. Yeah, I mean, and I couldn't name one right now. I mean, I would literally have to sneak over here and pull up a list to name women's <laughs> tennis players. Yeah, I mean, I could do like the top twenty in the in the world rankings or whatever the WTA, and we could probably play some game of, is this a tennis player or some other occupation? And we yeah. have no chance of getting it correct. Like, I don't know. I, it'd be flipping a coin. I, I couldn't name one other than like Serena and Venus at this point. And they're basically done. The top ranked American 
is ranked fifth in the world, and her name is Jessica Pegula. Did you know she existed? I've heard the name before. Had okay. you given me several hours to come up with the name, I don't think that I would have. Coco Golf at seven, know that. Yeah. You know, for American. But Americans are five and seven, and there's not another American in the world rankings until 23, and that's Madison Keys. Was not aware of Madison Keys. I'm sure she's. Sloan Stevens at 38. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Completely a different generation. I just don't, I, I don't know these names. That entire group of kind of who I would have, I mean, like Kavitica is at nine, and that probably would have been the one I could pick out of the lineup out of the top ten. And the way you're reacting, you would have had no idea about Kavitica. So, no, yeah, I mean. No, no. I know more, you, uh, I know more golfers I than I do. That, that tells you everything. I, yeah. I could, yeah. Speaking of, did you see the golfer get trucked yesterday? Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> Dude makes a 70 foot putt or whatever and and to win in I guess it was like sudden death kind of thing and and yeah. his his fellow Canadian comes out to celebrate with champagne and the security guard <laughs> you can see it happening and the security guard sees him and his face goes oh I've got this guy and he tackles him did maybe the clothes with the logos all over it not give a little bit of a heads up? Yeah. To set this up for people, it's the Canadian Open. It's the RBC Canadian Open. It's a PGA Tour event played in Canada. Their nation's open. A Canadian has never won it in its 54-year history. Nick Taylor yesterday sinks a 72-foot putt on the fourth playoff hole to win the tournament. I mean, crazy situation there. And, yes, he is – he is celebrating. He's hugging his caddy and Adam Hadwin, who is a fellow Canadian member of the PGA Tour. I mean, he kind of comes out of nowhere, but he's got champagne and he's pumped up. And you can't, as Neil said, you see the security guard. I mean, it was like a bull on a red, whatever those things are called, like the red sheet. Oh, yeah. And he is he is zoning in. And, I mean, it's it's a form tackle. Oh, it's, I mean, right, right, dude, between, right between the numbers. Just, yeah. There's like 10 people who just kind of look around and are stunned. And then one guy who you could tell worked for the tour that's going, oh, my God, oh, my God, no, that's a golfer. That's Adam Hadwin. Like, he's freaking out. And what went through my head was, do you know, because they can be drama queens in all ways, golfers. Had that been like a really world-ranked top 10 golfer who got just obliterated by that cop right there or that security guard right there, I mean – had that been Rory or somebody, we're, I mean, that's dominating everything for the next whatever. I mean, that, good God. I mean. Well, and, and I mean, look, I, I've, I've never been a security guard. I'm sure it's a harder job than I think it is. But what are we thinking is going to happen? What What, what, what is, like, <sighs> the guy. They have champagne. He's well, not running with a golf club at his head. You've been on a tournament. I, I presume that was day one on the job. You've been out there all week. These guys all kind of look the same. They're all pretty fit. They all wear the golf hat. They wear a golf polo. They wear the the, the golf kind of performance pants. They all have the same and kind they have of sponsors all over them. They have a belt and they all have sponsors all over their stuff. And he's not out there with a, a billy club or a gun. It's a bottle of champagne that he is spraying. Okay. Now there's some hints here. There are some hints that he means no harm. Also, his face, he's got a big smile on his face. He's not attacking him with 
champagne spray. Okay, there might just be a clue at hey, hey, bub, it's gonna be all right. But no, 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 it was a tackle that would have made Ronnie Lot proud. It was, yes. it was. <sighs> this is my green, and by God, I'm going to protect it. I mean, there are guys. Come on, my green. Pete Golding will take that clip and show it to his players and say, this is how I want you to attack the ball carrier. I mean, it was that kind of thing. It was just, you got to wonder like in that moment where he goes, Hey dude, you just, you just attacked a fellow tour member. You got to wonder what the reaction was to that. Yeah. Most most likely one of the dude who wins three or four best friends in the world because he's on tour with him. He's Canadian. Like, all right, I'm gonna give probably, Ginger. I'm gonna give Ginger this because in the event that what he said was, "Oh my God, you're not wasting that champagne on my on my watch." <laughs> if that were the case, then it's justified completely. Otherwise, he's got a problem. Well, he. He will not be security for the Canadian Open next year, will he? <laughs> no. No. I mean, <laughs> again, he wasn't out swinging a, a driver like, I'm going to take you out. He's spraying champagne. It's kind of a universal symbol of celebration. It might I'm, I'm going to guess my guy has never been around a lot of champagne, hadn't sprayed a lot of champagne. He was, he was very – the look on his face was so serious. He had one job, and he did his job. <laughs> he did it. You protect, you protect, you protect, you protect. That's what you do. <laughs> What's the NBA line tonight? Oh, I hadn't even seen a line. I, I'm guessing it's like Denver minus six and a half. I'm pulling it up. We'll close here. Um, uh, Denver by nine. Oh, that's a big number. Yeah. Although if you, over under two oh eight and a half. If you tell me tonight's a blowout, I buy it. The Heat are seven and three against the spread in their last ten games following a loss. Yeah. They're a proud team. They're a good team. They're a well coached team, but man, they're walking into a spot here. Uh if you want a money line, Denver's minus four hundred, Miami's plus three ten. That's a no touch both ways. Speaking of assaults, what did you think of uh, Conor McGregor taking out the Heat mascot, Bernie? He's going to be fine. He's back for game six. Bolster said if they get back to Miami, it's uh, it's going to be all right. He's not going to miss any action. Um, had to go to the hospital. Yeah. But he's healthy. Well, that's not what, well, okay. that's not what Bernie was look, prepared for. Number one, look, that's on Conor because what are you doing? Why are we hitting the mascot actually hard enough to cause anything? But – it's one of those things that works better with the conference table where they go, hey, you know what? Let's get the professional fighter to hit our mascot as part. No, stop. Just unless he's really clear that we're just kind of. Yeah. Well, and he hit him twice. Well, I'll be honest. I don't know. And, and I don't know if McGregor would fit this or not. I have no clue. I don't watch enough mixed martial arts to have an answer, but. I've watched those videos, though, where even like 30% punch power from a professional fighter is enough to really bowl you over. I mean, it, it, it th- th- there's probably a misunderstanding on just how fierce even light power is from those guys compared to us getting punched. Yeah, that, 
I, that would have been you and me are in the same boat around the table when you're talking about this. You got to go, hey, but listen, guys, this is not a fighter. He's not used to taking punches. He doesn't know how to take a punch. He's in a mascot no. uniform. You got to make sure that if we're going to do this, McGregor has to completely understand that he doesn't really hit him. Mm-hmm. This has to be professional At wrestling. All. Yeah, he doesn't even make contact. He just throws a pretend swing, doesn't actually hit Bernie. Bernie goes down, and we have our little skit. He can't accidentally hit Bernie because there's a human being inside Bernie, right, that, 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 that's not used to getting hit by professional fighters. Yeah, if he hits Rampage, he's not hitting a bison or whatever the hell he is. Like, he's hitting a human. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah you're... you're and it's Rumble, by the way. Rumble, be, sorry. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay, I remembered as I said it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's. Does he still bang the drums? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, he's good. We're coming. Okay. All right. It's happening. All right. Just curious. Uh, all right. We got two. Uh, we got two baseball games tonight. We got some uh, NBA finals tonight. Tomorrow night, I think, is game five of the NHL where the uh, Knights can clinch the cup against the Panthers. That is in Vegas for uh, game five of that one. And then uh, whatever else happens on the Ole Miss beat, have some baseball coverage as the day goes on. Again, I expect the portal to pick up a good bit, probably starting even tomorrow. I think that's possible through the rest of the week, and then we'll uh, see where everything else goes from there. So I hope all of you have a wonderful day. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.